What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Mm Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I am thrilled today to have Krista Rui, who is here to chat with us about the effects of the pandemic, about really strengthening our presence as working moms in the workforce. And I think she's going to have so many great things to share with us today and encouragements, not just for working moms, but also for those who support working moms on the job. So welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Whitney. I really appreciate it. Will you tell our listeners what you do and what your mission is? Sure. Happy to. So I work at a company called SAP, which provides enterprise software to other companies. So basically, we're the systems behind everything you do at work. And specifically, I work for SuccessFactor. So we're focused on HR solutions. So everything from recruitment to retirement and in between. So it's a it's a great place to be whenever you care about people and really want to improve their lives at work. And as part of that, I have spearheaded a project called Back to Best for Parents, which really focuses on, you know, the the stresses that have been put on parents with the pandemic. I thought we would be well out of it by now, but we're not. And everything that came with children working or excuse me, children going to school at home, moms trying to have their full-time job and dads while negotiating no childcare. And while it's gotten better, you know, there is this tremendous childcare crisis across the nation. For example, my, my daughter's daycare, you know, was not, or excuse me, after school care had to bump us off the waiting list because they don't have enough people to, to take care of the kids in the afternoon. So there is no longer that net of helping take care of your kids and and functioning at work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I yesterday actually had a childcare crisis with my own kids where we had a mix up and I had to ask a neighbor to help because of <laughs> shortage issues. And then 
even this week from our school district, we got a letter that an email letter that was a proposal from the teachers union to cut back on hours of the school day, you know, a couple days a week. And so we're definitely not out of this, right? We still need those solutions for, for working moms. Tell me about the pandemic itself. I know we all know Mm -hmm. at our heart level that it has been disastrous for working moms. Yeah. But tell me about some of the stats. Tell me about what are the things that really happened with professional women and their families as a result of the pandemic? It's pretty mind-blowing when you look at the statistics that 2.3 million women left the workforce in 2020. And that was basically all the people who left the workforce were women. <laughs> I don't have the particular stat, but it was it was an amazing, unbelievable stat. And so I think that, that there's a lot of things that are packed into that. There is people who had enough privilege that they were able to step back out of their careers to take on the burden of the kids being home from school. But that didn't happen in, in, in all the places. You know, a lot of a lot of the, the the leaving was involuntary. So it really shined a light on how precarious working women situations are. And I think that one of the good things that's going to come out of this pandemic is that companies are going to be more conscious of that. There's going to be policies from an HR point of view in place that help support women and parents. And that, you know, there's also this moment where you couldn't leave work at the door anymore, right? Because, or you couldn't leave home at, at the door anymore when you came to work because work was at home and in many situations, you know, right behind you on your Zoom screen. So, you know, enduring COVID, 44% of women reported being the only one in the household providing childcare compared to 14% at men. So, you know, I think we've come a long way from an equitability standpoint, but this just really showed that we're not where we thought we were, that the burden of childcare is still on women, even though the majority of house, households have dual income parents and the women are and oftentimes the, the top earner or the, the top level of responsibility, but yet the childcare is still falling on them. And I know we talk a lot on this podcast and in general about what happens at home, about equitable distribution of work at home Mm -hmm. and how to really balance things out and that things start at home. But I know that you really focus, and I appreciate this, on organizational issues that also make it so women carry the heavier burden. So tell us about that. Tell us about why the organizational structure of a workplace Mm-hmm. really, really matters when it comes to women not being the primary caretakers in these crisis situations. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it comes down to culture, right? So there's the culture at the home, but there's also how that culture is perpetuated at work. So you could even trace it back to, to parental leave. You know, there's most companies that are working professionals provide some sort of parental leave for both sexes. But even though fathers are eligible for parental leave, whether it's something small like two weeks or if it's something, you know, on more on par with a, a maternity leave of a few months, men don't take it. I don't have the statistics right at my hand, but 
or they don't take all of it. And they're, it's perceived that if they do, they're not taking work seriously. They're not motivated. They're not someone who wants to rise. And we really have to change that perception because right from the get-go, fathers who take their parental leave have a much happier and fulfilling relationship with their children, which is absolutely huge. And then that kind of continues on, that the setting the tone of that caretaking. And we really need to model that behavior at the senior level so that men who are fathers are and leaders are showing that they are making room in their lives for caretaking. You know, one of my colleagues was during the height of children at home from school would not take conference calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that was just his deal because he needed to be there to spell off with his partner to take care of the children when they were trying to do their virtual school. And that was something that his manager supported and he spoke very openly about and having those conversations and just saying, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't take conference calls on these days because I'm helping with virtual school. That was something that I think was great to see. And also at the, at the, at the more senior level, whenever you have the managers and, and the senior leaders of the company taking off in the middle of the day to go pick their kid up from school or go to doctor's appointments or whatever it might be, or taking care of their child when they're homesick, or if there's a child care crisis, really seeing that, that men are doing that as well and championing it and also making it not verboten, you know, that, that, that men feel like they are celebrated for also being equal partners at home as well. And until we see that equitability, we're not going to see too much movement, I think, from an equitability for women in the workplace. I agree. And what I hear you saying, correct me if I'm not picking this up accurately from you, but is that it matters in terms of individual people, just parenting out loud, you know, as Mary Beth Ferrante talks about from Work360, but it also really matters in terms of what are the policies that an organization puts into place to support that? What are the educational offerings that they have for men, that they're specifically talking to men about their childcare responsibilities, that they're specifically offering the paternity leave as something that's equal? I mean, how do we move the needle there? Because like you said, you know, if we can offer it where parental leave is available, but then the men don't take it, how do we make it so more men take it? How do we make it so it's more acceptable culturally for men to be able to, to do that? Yeah, I think part of it's internal marketing. You know, just celebrating those stories of men who are participating and who are taking the parental leave or are involved parents and really making that part of that model coach care that all managers should be should be doing. And, you know, I haven't seen an instance where there's really training in this regard, but I think that the, you know, employee networks broadening beyond you know, moms in the workplace and broadening it to parents and really trying to pull in those voices of the fathers, I think can go a long way. It's, it, I think it's more of a cultural push than a policy one. Although, you know, there's also an opportunity to track and measure, you know, who are caregivers in your organization, whether it be parents or caring for elderly or both, you know, of the sandwich generation. So 
by being able to to understand and survey your 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 employee population to understand where their pressures are what's happening in their in their life outside of work and what can be contributing to that burnout factor because burnout is a, a huge issue right now for employers and employees alike and how to get ahead of that for example it's not so much on the equitability with with the parents but Chibani is a customer of ours and you know we talk a lot about flexibility for for people who are professionals who can work from home you know i'm i'm privileged to be one of those that i can you know my laptop goes anywhere and so i can work from anywhere at any time but you know the frontline workers i think were impacted even tenfold you know with the the covid epidemic and chibani you know really listened to their employees about the difficulties they were having. And one of them that was recognized was securing childcare. So you have folks at the plant who are, who are the ones that are making the yogurt and they actually implemented a $100 a day childcare subsidy so that those workers could have greater flexibility and peace of mind on making sure that their, their children were taken care of and that they could still provide for them as well. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to remember, you know, it's funny when I think about frontline workers, of course, the Mm -hmm. first thing that comes to my mind is people like myself who are in healthcare, who are like, quote unquote, essential workers who are there in the face of COVID. But we have to remember that even I'm in a place of privilege where because of my status as a physician and having at least some means, you know, that if I'm in a crisis, I can call on other caregivers, but really frontline workers includes people who are working in factories. It includes our people who are working at the grocery store. It includes people who are working, you know, at Target. It includes all of these people who might not have those same resources and need the assistance from their organizations and the systems in place to support them when there are crises. Absolutely. It's so important. Talk to me about burnout. I know mm-hmm. you had mentioned when we were talking back and forth before this interview about Ariana Huffington, about a quote that she had about, about burnout. And I, it really resonated with me. I want you to share it with our audience because I think burnout sometimes is so normalized in American culture and especially for working women that it feels like it's just the way that it should be. But I know that she really talked about how we shouldn't we shouldn't normalize it. We shouldn't accept it. Ariana Huffington has a great quote. It's burnout shouldn't be the price we pay for success. And I think that mental health aspect is something that that parents really put to the side. You know, as caregivers, we're constantly putting others first, whether it's our children or our partners or our parents. And it comes so naturally that you stop and you don't realize how that impacts overall. So so the burnout becomes almost commonplace and expected for a mother that you've got to be multitasking to the nth degree and constantly at the breaking point. And I think that, you know, there's a two-pronged approach to that. There's what you need to do for yourself for self-advocacy, but then there's also the compassionate leadership component. So being part of an organization that has a strong supportive culture that's grounded in 
and compassionate leadership is just so incredibly important. You know, it was for me over this past year, SAP has a policy of that they've actually formalized called Pledge to Flex, which it's a hundred percent trust-based environment of you get your work done how you want to, where you want to, when you want to, as long as that's all in cooperation with your manager. And, you know, I had not only struggling with the the same issues that everyone was through the pandemic who was parent who were parents, but then combined on that I had issues with my with my elderly parents who were in their 80s, them no longer being able to live on their own and needing to move them to an assisted living facility and sell their house. And then also shortly after we actually completed the move, my father, we found out had late stage lymphoma. And so dealing with that caretaking and the doctors, so it was a full-time job, just even talking to the doctors each day was hours, let alone going to visit him and then helping my mother manage her grief and her adjustment. And, you know, if I had been able to look back, I would have taken the leave of absence if I had a crystal ball to know that it was what, how things were going to go. But during that time, my manager, you know, just said to me, do what you need to do. You know, your family comes first, this project that you're working on, you know, like get, just focus on that, which was ironically or not ironically, the back to best for parents program and everything else we'll put to the side and we'll, we'll divide up amongst the rest of us. And And, you know, you keep going the best you can. And if you can't do it, let me know. And so we worked through that together, which was such a tremendous gift. And my colleagues were so supportive. And, you know, and frankly, I wasn't doing my best work because how, who who could, you know, and then whenever I came back, my father had unfortunately passed away and I was still dealing with all of that. And I didn't realize that even though sort of the the moment of activity of having to be so busy with these other things in addition to my 6-year-old and addition into my work even though I was out of that the emotional component was still with me so I was really in this emotional burnout and everything that was just through that lens so if something small went wrong at work, I had this sort of overactive emotional response to it that was not in keeping, you know, was not the level that it should be. And I went to my boss again and I said, you know, I think I really need to take four weeks off and just come back strong. And I need to process, I need to get stuff done and I, I need to focus on, on me. And she was also supportive of that. And it made the world a difference. Now, I realized that not everybody can do that. And that was a pretty magical gift that was given to me by my manager. But we were able to talk about it. We were able to talk about my struggles and why I didn't feel like I was bringing my best self to work and why I was capable of more, but was having trouble producing it at that time. And when I came back after that four weeks, it was, you know, night and day and I felt refreshed and I was able to really think so much more clearly too. And having those kinds of conversations, I think are incredibly powerful. And, you know, as a result, I will be loyal to her forever and loyal to the company for providing me those 
those opportunities. And I think that I work that much harder for it now. So that's a very personal moment, but, you know, companies are doing more to really make sure that their, their employees are okay. You know, checking in, not just about where you are at work and, you know, if you've met your KPIs and, you know, how's this project management going, but really looking at well-being. You know, TELUS, which is a big international telecommunications company, who's also a client of ours, they have a really specific well-being strategy that, that acknowledges that without well-being, people in business, they can't thrive and they can't succeed. So making sure that you're carving out or, or, or encouraging your company to carve out you know, that place for well-being and the policy and, and really giving it the attention that it needs. Because if you don't, especially in this time, you know, we see the great resignation, people are leaving. It's really hard to retain talent, especially good talent, and it's hard to recruit. And if you want to bring talent into your company, you have to really be looking at the whole employee now, whereas that wasn't necessarily a focus before the pandemic. You know how, like in high school, you could join different clubs depending on your interests or things people were into? I wasn't really that much of a club person when I was younger, but these days it feels like having a tribe of other working moms around me is so, so valuable. And it's hard to do in real life because we're all scattered and busy and have our separate lives. We have designed the Modern Mamas Club to be that club, that tribe, that support network for you. And we didn't want it just to be about what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome professional or what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome mom, but also what are the ways we can help you to remember who you are as an individual person? Voila, welcome. The Modern Mamas Club is on the scene. It's a community of mamas to support you, 24 access to our video library, live events, workshops, hangouts, relatable mom rooms and discussions, and a resource library and recommendations from yours truly, Dr. Whitney. Go check it out at modernmommydoc.com. curious about you said that it was a, a female manager that you were yes. talking to you know I know that SAP has the opportunity marketplace a, a tool that kind of lets companies that they can leverage it to try to create more equity and and to make sure that we have women that are there in leadership or, or people in leadership diverse leadership and I wonder about if we didn't have women that were in those leadership <laughs> positions, if we don't have women that are in management, would they would the person understand it as clearly the need? And there are plenty of compassionate, thoughtful men that I work alongside. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you, I keep my position on the executive leadership committee at my organization in part because I want there to be a mom who went through a postpartum experience because I want there to be 
a woman who deals with childcare issues because I want to be a voice that some of the decisions that I make in terms of leaving to go to a recital or to a doctor's appointment are not me being a quote unquote lifestyle doctor. They're me taking care of all the different parts of who I am and the needs that I have in my life to make sure that I'm well taken care of and that the people in my life are well taken care of. So representation, we know matters in terms of race, ethnicity, but also in terms of having women in leadership, if we want this type of culture to change. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a really fantastic study that McKinsey puts out every year of women in the workplace. And when I looked at that study, that was the big outcome for me that was like a really a wow moment that women leaders drive better outcomes for employees, full Mm -hmm. stop. And, you know, the employees who had a woman manager were more likely to say that their manager supported them and helped them over the past year with emotional well-being, well-being checks, emotional support, workload, you know, navigating the work-life challenges and actions to prevent burnout. So that to me is such an important moment to realize that women managers are so incredibly important and women leaders for for the company. So really cultivating those leaders and those managers are important too. And also understanding that there's a different life career life cycle for women and understanding this as ourselves as well and sort of making an effort to advocate for ourselves because you know, whenever it was more of a, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, where the man was out working and the woman was staying at home with the kids, there was no, you know, the 20s were that time of ambition. And then the 30s were where, you know, you got your manager position and your 40s and your 50s were where you were, in the, you were already at the top of the leadership and you were already kind of coming down the curve. And that life cycle is very important for women who have, or very different for women who have children. So, you know, the career cycle for a woman tends to be now very ambitious in your twenties. You know, you're probably delaying marriage and you're probably delaying children, whether it's purposeful or not. And then in your thirties, you know, that's the child rearing time. And this coincides with the time whenever careers, career progression and high potential programs and, you know, top talent kind of career policies and and programs that bring those talents up to the next level are happening. So women tend to have to opt out of those either because they're on leave or they've got too much on their plate and they feel like they're not, they can't do it well enough. So they're not going to, they're going to opt out. And that really hits women unfairly. And then in your forties and fifties, when your kids are older, they're able to take care of themselves. Maybe they're in middle school, high school, out of empty nesters. That's really the time where there's this opportunity for career acceleration in women And companies need to recognize that and invest in that. And women who have taken a step back in their 20s or in their 30s as those child-rearing ages and are ready to re-engage and reinvest in their careers in a way that maybe they hadn't been able to previously need to step up and vocalize that as well and say, hey, you know, I know that 
you know, maybe or there's a perception that I've just been kind of coasting, but now my kids are older. I'm really, I want to, you know, I want to get into this leadership role. I want to manage people. I want to do more and really voicing that so that they can have those opportunities. So, and hopefully that recognition of that career cycle will change and, and we'll be recognizing talent across all the ages in the, in the company. Tell me about how SAP's opportunity marketplace, how it helps with all this. Because I, when mm-hmm. I read about it, I was interested and then wanted to hear there's tons of professional women who are here who are in leadership, who are listening. I want them to hear about this tool from you all as well. Yeah, sure. So Opportunity Marketplace is really a place where employees can access tools to fuel their growth, essentially. So, you know, would be within your company portal and you can access learning, different roles and assignments, you know, find a mentor, find peer connections. And it's really meant to inspire and guide and support you in the workplace. So it helps you create that individual learning path for your employees in a more systematic and automated way. And then it also creates equitability because everybody has the opportunity to, to, to access it, you know, and you're not dependent on necessarily having somebody as your advocate within the company. You can be your own and then you can tap into other resources and, and, and mentors. So it also, it's, it's a great tool to combat proximity bias as well, you know, as women are tending to be the people who take most opportunity of flexibility, you know, with that comes, you know, the, the other side of that coin is they might be passed over for opportunities as well, because they're not in the mix as much as, as people who might be in the, in the office every day. So, you know, it really can improve internal mobility and retention and workforce agility at the end of the day. I love it. Okay. So Krista, tell us, we, I love tools like this. Like every time I find an actual practical solution, because that's the thing we can talk until we're blue in the face about how things aren't fair, about how we need to change culture, all this. But at the end of the day, and this is probably my doctor training of like, what's the problem? What's the solution, right? (laughs) I'm always just looking for ways for us to take action, to actually do something about it. So whether that Mm. is an educational resource, or it's a resource where you can get your own self-advocacy or where we can change culture within an organization. So Krista, tell listeners where they can find out more about SAP, about the opportunity marketplace, and where they can help to, where they can go to help change things for themselves and for their organizations. Sure. So you can go to sap.com to find out more about SAP and SAP Success Factors is our HR solution. This is B2B. So as an individual, you're not going to be able to access Opportunity Marketplace. But if you are an HR or a senior leader at a company and you want to bring it into your organization, that's certainly something that can be done. And for, I think, a great resource for your listeners as well is if you Google Back to Best for Parents or SAP Back to Best for Parents. We've got a lot of blogs and articles and resources. There's even you know discounts 
from the Female Founder Collective, which we partnered with on Back to Best for Parents. So everything from discounts on, you know, virtual exercising and, and meal delivery programs and things like that to make lives of busy working moms a little bit easier. So I'd encourage everyone to check that out as well. Awesome. All right, you guys, we'll see you next time. Hey mama, if you want more of the modern mommy doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag modern mommy doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.